0: Small doses, self <laughs> <of> help from <laughs> the hip. Small doses, we're talking that shit. Small doses, and keeping it real. <laughs> small doses, with me and Neneh. It's so funky. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Small Doses. Uh, I feel like we should be like small doses in quarantine um, because we actually tried to set this up with you several times, but like scheduling would always like get in the way. And so oh, now work. we just in the house. We, so got, we got time and space. I was like, you know what? I bet you we could get PJ now. I yeah. bet you we could get PJ
1: now. I am not booked. Yeah, I'm not
0: <laughs> so, uh, so welcome. Uh, so today's episode is Side Effects of New Orleans, which we will get into. But first, I just wanted to ask you, like, how you're doing? How well even just as a musician, mm-hmm. how things have kind of like been going in this new normal that we're in for the for hopefully just a moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, my line of work is being with a lot of people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. it's playing in front of people and, it, and it's really about that that live uh interactive experience. So in that way, um I have, I mean, had to cancel multiple tours at this point, um, which is crazy. But for me also, I mean, I put out like five projects in three years. Right. So I was like nonstop. I, I just was going for three years straight. So part of it, I took as, all right, if we got to do this, cause I'm, I'm, I'm a workaholic. I admit it, you know? Um, so some of this I took and said, all right, let me just sit still and like figure out what this all means. And, um, and it's allowed me to at least, um, because there were a lot of projects I wanted to work on, produce and write that I hadn't okay. been able to do. And, um, so it's given me time to do that. So I'm looking at it, uh, half full, you know, but, but it is, a, it's a, it's a unique, uh, time right now, especially for performers, you know, and musicians.
0: And st- yeah. Cause as a stand up, you're just like,
1: yeah. Are we going to do All this right. again? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Again, you know, even like Smart Funny and Black, I'm just like, I. we got to figure out how to do it virtual. But it's just the communal aspect of things is yeah, so that, important. And that's it's what makes
1: it special. Yeah, the people, the people. Yeah.
0: So speaking of the people, uh, the people of New Orleans have been like, uh, you know, just, just devastatingly hit by this whole COVID thing. Um, what. <laughs> What would you say is the mood of the city right now?
1: Um, You know, New Orleans is, is so unique. It's its own thing, right? So um, I think now people are starting to get it, that it's serious. I mean, I just had... My uncle doesn't live in New Orleans, lives in Detroit, but I just had an uncle pass away. Oh, they
0: got the same thing
1: yeah, going exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah, but they. But I just had an uncle pass... I think it's becoming more real, right? But <laughs> um, New Orleans does not... I mean, we only march to the beat of our own drum, right? I mean, for better or for worse, I believe it's our gift and our curse, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It's the reason some people um, stayed behind when when Katrina, when they were telling them, listen, it's a mandatory, get out of the city. And we were yeah. like, I mean, when I was a kid growing up, we would throw hurricane parties, you know? It was like, oh, we, we there's a hurricane coming. All right, no school, no work. Let's cook and let's party and have a good time. So our... We just are different, right? So I think that was part of the de- delay. Uh, I know a lot of people were upset at the mayor and stuff for shutting stuff down. She said they had to shut down like super, uh, like Super Soul Sunday, uh, Super Sunday, uh, where we had this big um, second line and everything, and people were mad. You know, they weren't they weren't looking at her like, "Oh, great decision, mayor." Great get
0: leadership, get it.
1: yeah, they're like, "You stopping our party." Uh, but I think it's finally starting to set in how how real it is. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're handling it.
0: So, born and raised in New Orleans. That's right. Yeah. New Orleans is, of course, like an enclave of Black culture. You know, we've seen so much music born out of New Orleans. Yeah. You know, in your music... Like talk to us about just where new or how new Orleans exists in the music that comes from PJ Morton.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, all right. So there's two sides of that, I guess, Um, because I, I didn't want growing up in new Orleans. I didn't want to be a traditional jazz musician.
0: Right.
1: And um, so I was kind of looked at as an outcast in a way, because I wasn't traditionally new Orleans, but what I, took from New Orleans and learned and valued was the integrity, right. That we have in our music. It's, um, we take it seriously here. Like being a musician in New Orleans is like, I mean, like you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you know, it's a badge of honor here and we're respected as such. Um, so we take it seriously. Um, so I think I always took that with me. Of course. Um, you know, I take the, I always have horns and arrangements. I think all of that is, comes from the live, from the, from the live aspect of New Orleans, but I just didn't have that traditional New Orleans thing. But also, like I talked about us marching to the beat of our own drum. The reason why we have, um, you know, the only original American art form of music, you know, jazz was created here. Um, I think out of non-complacency, you know, it's like, we don't care what's going on in the rest of the world. This, This is what we want to do. This is what we're doing. Same with bounce music. You know, Um, we just said we don't care what hip hop is doing. This is what we're doing. And that's what it is. So I think I took that rebellious thing, too, from New Orleans and have taken that with me. Like, no matter what was going on in music at the time, I'm like, well, this is what I'm on. This is what I'm going to be on. And that that's that New Orleans rebellion thing for sure.
0: Right, which comes back to like why New Orleans was like, how you gonna shut down the second line?
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, can't stop us. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, I feel like New Orleans, like, uh, it's so it's like the last unique kind of like it's like a country within this country, you know, in its own way. And yeah. I, I, don't I call know if it you. An island, you yeah. That.
1: yeah, I call it its own island because even if you go, I mean, twenty miles in any direction. It's different. It's like different. It's You know, you can go to Baton Rouge and you can go like to Lake Charles or something. And and it's just totally different. New Orleans is just its own thing. You know, uh, I think part of that comes from who we were before everything. You know, like we, we were late in the South joining the U.S., you know, I mean, mm. we were French. We were Spanish going back and forth. And and with it being like a port and a hub, because we were the entrance to the rest of the world from Europe and everything. I think that made us, we, we got so much. And then slavery, right? Was New Orleans was one of the first places where a lot of slaves came, but because it was French, it was laid back, right? So they gave them Sundays off and they got to go to Congo Square and create this music and-, and, and Tell folks of, about
0: what Congo Square is.
1: So Congo Square is where- um, uh, the slave owners would allow the black people, the enslaved black people, to go to trade their own things, um, to 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 do music, to dance. Um, it was like a gathering of hundreds of people on Sundays when they were off. Um, and that kind of, whereas a lot of cities just totally stripped people of their culture, their African yeah. culture, um, we didn't totally get stripped. We got to like mix it, right? So European and and African, all of that stuff is where jazz came and even some of the European artists and composers use some of the African beat that they heard on those Sundays at Congo Square and Mm -hmm. put it into there. So this is how this music came about. So I think even before, um, you know, we became a part of America, we had we kind of had had an identity, you know. So I think that's just um, we're still a product of, of what happened a long time ago.
0: I mean, do you feel like blackness in New Orleans exists differently than blackness in the rest of this country?
1: Um, I mean, I I definitely think there's a thread that is blackness everywhere, Uh, you know. But I I do think that we're still it's a it's a it's a unique thing where we're just still us. We do things differently. And I didn't appreciate it growing up. I left after high school and stayed away. Uh, I went to Atlanta, I went to Morehouse. And oh you a Morehouse man. I'm a Morehouse man, yes indeed, the house. Uh but I, I went I I I went to Atlanta, got into that music scene, and then you know, went went to New York and then went to LA. And it wasn't until I started to like travel abroad that I started to appreciate. I'm like, oh wait, New Orleans, there's only one place like this. I thought this was like the norm. I would get tired of Mardi Gras, I would get tired. It's like, all right, I get it. Like you know, I didn't appreciate. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But now it's like, oh, that's like that's the sauce. Like we got the this, this special sauce that doesn't exist anywhere. And then when I went to Europe, I started to see like, oh, this looks more like us than when I go to an American city. You know, so um I started to really appreciate it. And now I'm just Mr. Noir. Like I'll, I'll never leave again. I don't think, you know, I, w- I won't ever move again. Um, I understand the importance and like really value it now. Uh, but, so I, I just do think we're different than any, any other place, um, you know, and the blackness is definitely different here. Um, I mean,
0: even y'all's language.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's Southern, but it's like a, it's a twist on it. You know, it's like, nah, that's what I mean. It's you not can,
0: even Southern. It's some other, yeah. I it, was in the car with Currency one time and we were driving and, like, you know, he's driving, like, we, we, we hitting switches and doing all right, type of foolishness. Right. So, of course, people of are like, oh, Spinner, what's up? Spinner, what's up? And yeah. they were having full conversations. And I was like, are we, what? Yeah,
1: yeah what's, what's
0: up? Is that who's he? that who's that That is true.
1: It's island. I, I went to a, um, I forget what island I was on. But I was like, are you from New Orleans? I asked this lady because she. You know, it was some of that there, but I think it's that that black French Creole thing mixed with the Southern. We just we're gumbo, no pun. You know, it's like we're just all mixed up in there that makes us different and and unique and special.
0: What are some traditions in New Orleans that you feel like are part of like what stamps the city as what it is? Because Um, I think a lot of people, when they think of New Orleans, like if you're if you're someone like me, Mm-hmm. Like for a long time, my only context of New Orleans was cash money right. and okay. no limit. Yeah, that was okay. it. Like, and it was like, you know, I felt like because I could spit fiend lyrics, um, you know, that I had been to New Orleans, it was like, <laughs> you just feel like, okay, like I've seen all these videos, yeah. like, I, like I, see, I know what New Orleans is now, but it wasn't until I went there and just saw the amount of traditions that y'all have
1: yeah.
0: that are only happening there like, I don't even know, like, New York, like, what are New York traditions? Like, Tim's? Um, yeah,
1: absolutely. Right. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> like, Tim's.
0: I mean, when I think about, like, I grew up in Orlando, like, we ain't got no real traditional black shit here that, to that extent. But I think there's, like, traditional stuff like family reunions and barbecues, whatever. But New Orleans has, like, you yeah, We got, stuff. like,
1: weekly stuff or yearly stuff or monthly stuff. I mean, like... I think I think second lines is one of the bigger ones because the ages range too. I mean, you got kids out there that are ten years old to to seventy year olds, and they do this every Sunday. You know, during during a certain season, every Sunday. What
0: is a second line? Like, what are they doing
1: every Sunday? Well, uh, well, uh, it originated from um, funerals where they had the the um the casket and the body That's and the, yeah exactly right and that, that that was the first line basically and the music was behind them which was the second line um and that, that was a party because we celebrated death you know we se- it was a celebration um there were sad songs played but then it went into a party and so now it's it's taken a life of its own it doesn't necessarily have to be with a funeral it's just a party where we all go out and, people, and they block off streets, it's like not, you're not mad that the streets are blocked off, you know that they're gonna be blocked. I think that's that's one thing that sticks in my mind where it's like, that's just, that just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen, you know? Um, and of course our seasonal stuff, I mean, w- we have the most festivals per capita, you know? Really?
0: Um, I know about Essence.
1: In the world, yeah, but we got Jazz Festival, we got uh, French Quarter Festival, uh, we have Essence Festival, that's later on in the game. Um, we got Voodoo Festival, uh, so many... What's so happening at Fest- the Voodoo Festival? Uh, well, Voodoo Festival is a music festival, but there there's food and everything, but then we got, like, Strawberry Festival, and we got, um, they got Fried Chicken Festival. Uh, there's a festival every weekend. Once that season starts, there's a festival every week. Um, the most in the world per capita, so I think that's part of our culture, too, is to, like, commune, like, Music, food, right? We just get together, and we know that that's going to happen. We know once that season starts, oh, we can go. Let's go out to the strawberry festival today. You know what I'm saying? If you mm-hmm. want to. Um, so I think festivals is is a big part of a second lines. Um, I'm drawing a blank because some of the stuff I don't. You don't look think at about as, like okay, yeah. there's like. <laughs> Even just like,
0: honestly, cuisine wise, you know, you got like gumbo and beignets and but nobody got that shit nowhere else. Like,
1: want to get a po' boy like just on the norm, I think is. Yeah. Mondays, red beans and rice on Mondays, you know, everywhere. Shaved ice. To go to. Yeah. Oh, oh, snowballs. Yeah, for sure. Snowballs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went and got yeah. a snowball with Fatima and it was so intense. Like the line and then the co- the menu looked like this. I mean, it was just like, wait, I thought we, we, I thought we would have got like two options, red or blue. And it was <laughs> like, no. You got, you got wedding even,
1: cake. You got birthday cake.
0: Yes. Lavender <laughs> elderberry <laughs> essence. I'm like, yeah.
1: what? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a big one too. Yeah.
0: Do you feel like, well, first of all, were you in New Orleans during Katrina?
1: So I was commuting. I was still, I just graduated Morehouse and I was going back and forth. I was commuting um, to help my dad out um, as his music director. So I would travel to New Orleans every Saturday and travel back to Atlanta every Wednesday. And so my flight got canceled on Friday. Um, And I was was grateful because my family, it was like, role reversal. You know, I had always lived with my parents before school. All of my family came to in at, to Atlanta and it was in my house, you know, in Atlanta. And it was just the most surreal thing. Like they didn't have a place to go. It was, it was just, odd, ah, you know, and then FEMA started to give hotel vouchers and then they started to move around and ended up staying around Atlanta. Uh, but, um, so yes and no, I was commuting back. My apartment got destroyed. It got like, yeah, sick. like
0: what, like what was your yeah. Katrina experience?
1: Yeah. So most, mostly my family, my, my, my parents' home, um, it was two stories. So they got eight feet of water. So all, you know, the cars that were on the ground and anything that was on the, on the first floor just got destroyed. Um, uh, my apartment that I had totally got destroyed. I didn't have a, a car that I owned in New Orleans. I would just use my my parents' car. Um, but all of that, just I mean, just just total total destruction. We we I lived in New Orleans East, um, which got it. That's right next to the Ninth Ward, so they got it got it the worst. French Quarter and all that uptown was is, it's like high ground, right? So they didn't get it as bad um, until the the levees broke. But even still, they were higher ground. But where I and from and lived New Orleans East, we got we got it got it really bad. Um, but because you're worst. basically like in the bowl of Lake Pontchartrain, like it, exactly, yeah. And we were taught about you know I was taught about um, be, being below sea level before I knew what that meant. Like well, I used to hear that in school, not even knowing what that meant. Like we were, Would they we're teach it
0: with level. like concern, or was it just fact?
1: Nope, just a fact. Nobody, I think that that that. That laid back, eat, big easy, right? Nobody thought that it would, like, get that bad. But we all knew that we were in a bowl. I was taught that before I knew what it was. And um, so it's a, for it to finally, you know, happen, the worst of it, you know, without being um, prepared for it. I mean, we just... Uh, and, and I think the big ex- the biggest experience or the biggest vision that I have in my mind is going back after... And seeing how dead the city and how empty the city was. Because it's all life all the time. It never stops, you know. The music never stops. The people never stop in the streets. And to see New Orleans like that was like the... That still haunts me, you know. it's the craziest thing. Yeah.
0: Do you feel like that experience has given you kind of any... Does it it tie in at all to what we're going on now? Because I feel like that's such a...
1: What'd you say? One hundred percent. That's that's all anybody in New Orleans is talking about right now. Is like, oh, this Katrina. I was I was jogging, and this this person was like, all right, after after Katrina, we're gonna. She made a mistake and said Katrina instead of you know Coralda. because this experience is it feels a lot like. I mean, just the. the, Thankfully, we're in our homes and everything, right? But the. the feeling of not knowing what's next and how long, I mean, with Katrina, people didn't know whether they get to go home or if they had to start a new life in a new city or if it would be a month or a year, you know? And I think that feeling of, um, of not knowing is like, that's really probably messing with a lot of people uh, here in New Orleans specifically.
0: Um. When you said you were a music director for your dad, what does your dad do?
1: My dad's a pastor. So I was I was playing. I, I, I grew up in church. Um, that's where I learned everything. I mean, that's where I learned how to play music. That's where I learned how to sing. And um, yeah, after Morehouse, uh, I was in the music business already. So Atlanta was like popping and I didn't want to totally leave that. Um, but also I was like, I'll help my pops out, you know. Uh, but he was a pastor. So, I mean, even that was... That was crazy. His whole congregation was displaced Um, and he ended up starting, restarting the church in New Orleans. Uh, Tyler Perry grew up in our in our church. So they ended up Tyler's first lot that he bought. um, We had the other half of it to start a church and he helped out with that. Um, But just to, you know, a lot of New Orleans went to either Houston or Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So he ended up, I was like, Dad, go to New York. Let's go to New York. You know, I'm like, right, chill uh, Yeah, he's like, What are you talking about? <laughs> like, I'm, Oh, man, I was so short sighted at that point. But he's like, My people, you know, they're like, Don't know what to do and don't have anywhere to go and are used to being with us every week and ended up going to Atlanta and, and, and doing that. And it ended up being all right. But even for him, my father is, was is this 2020, he's about to be 70. So when Katrina happened, he, you know, was almost 60 yeah. and had to restart a, a ministry that he had been, uh, that he'd started 30 years prior, you know, 33 years, I think to be exact. So, um, so they stayed
0: the, in, they stayed in Atlanta
1: for a while. Well, yeah, my dad stayed in Atlanta when they were able to rebuild, which was, um, uh, I think they went back early, like November. Uh, I didn't go back, but, um, uh, in November they started to like rebuild some things. And, um, so, so he has, so he has the church in New Orleans now and Atlanta. Yeah. My, my, my mother was the co-pastor, um, of the church. Yes. Yeah. So my mom, um, they basically would go back and forth, um, between Atlanta and New Orleans. Um, so
0: where, so, I mean, how has he been functioning like with, with his flock in this, in, in this, this
1: right now? I mean, he's yeah. doing, it, it, it is, um it's crazy to see, but I mean, he's, he's preaching online to an empty church, basically. And, uh, so he'll go to the church. He's going to the church. And do the sermon and, from the pulpit. And there are about five people in the church, um, a musician, um, some other people. And he's basically preaching to, to, to five to the people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, I talked to him about it the other day because my mom's doing the same thing in New Orleans as well. Um, and, you know, he said he's getting used to it. But I, I, I don't know, man. I, just me doing my live stream, you know, I did a live stream on my birthday a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, it's awkward ending the songs and then it's like nobody's saying anything. It's like. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh let's go to the next song. Yeah. yeah. How y'all feeling You know what I'm saying? It's it's awkward. and church, black church is all about, you know, call and response. It's Good. all about people talking back to you so like um I imagine it's odd and and unexpected at this age and they're like, you know, my dad's retired, you don't know. But well, my dad is retiring next year. He you know okay. from from pastoring. So like I know he's like He probably feels like those kids that were, they're in their senior year, you know, supposed to play in the Sweet 16 and they're like, yo, are you kidding me right now? Like, I just have to, so he, you know, I, I, I fell for him.
0: Did you see Queen and Slim?
1: I did, yes.
0: How did you feel about Queen and Slim's New Orleans Representation? I think they did pretty good
1: I think they um yeah I think they referenced you know uh Melina's like she she's she's down here you know she's she, she yeah. hangs uh, I was Solange's uh co-music director for a little while um, oh, okay so I was around Melina so she knows you know Solange did a great job even moving she moved back before I did you know she was actually one of the people who made me look at New Orleans differently too like oh it is flyer than I you know what I'm saying like it helped me. How so? Like, just by how she, like, how so? How she embraced the culture um, was right when I was figuring out what made it cool, you know? I, it took me years to be like, all right, I'm not going back. Also, I was a preacher's kid, named after my father, supposedly supposed to, I was like, I'm, I, like, I am out of here. Like, I don't want to be that, you know? I don't want to, and my, my, my father- Were
0: you supposed to be the pastor, the next pastor? I mean,
1: like, nobody said that, right? But that was- and I felt that. I'm just, I was the other, I was, I'm PJ, I'm Paul Jr. Like they was like, oh yeah, his son. And I have two Can sisters. Can you preach? No, I, no, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't attempted to. You haven't to. been to a PJ Morton show, so
0: I don't know if you're DMXing, us oh, in the oh, middle the of the show.
1: show. Now the PJ Morton shows do feel like church a little bit, but not me preaching, you know, but it You just, know,
0: DMX will just start. Yeah. You know, my people. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The prayers, no, no, that's not me. Uh, but it feels like church in the in the experience of the music. So at some point, yeah. But no, no, I did, I'm not a preacher, and I didn't want to be a preacher. So that was the other reason I wanted to like get away and never come back, because that was my. That's what New Orleans was to me. Um, but then, around that same time, um, salons. I was like, yeah. I get it. Like I'm connecting it and I, and it, and it became cool, you know, in a different way as an adult to me, I kind of got it. Um, but yeah, no, I think they did a good job because I, I think it was real references, you know, solo wasn't even gonna let that go down, you know, wrong. Like that had to be represented. Right. I loved it. I loved the New Orleans vibe. They had.
0: I mean, when you think of like you moving back to New Orleans and now you're there, like, it sounds like you had basically like a, an epiphany, you know, that, Maybe. that brought you back. So I feel like whenever I'm in that type of situation where like, so for instance, like I moved from Orlando to New York, but I was, I was born in LA. I grew up here until I grew up there until I was eight. then I moved to Orlando, then I moved to New York and I was in New York for 15 years. Mm-hmm. But then when I moved back to LA, like I felt like a relief, like a, like, I don't know, like I felt like a, Oh, like I'm home.
1: Yeah. type of thing. Yeah.
0: And, and I can tell you like all of the reasons why. And so I'm curious, like, did you have that feeling when you got back to New Orleans? And if so, like what gave that to you?
1: I did. So it was a combination of things. Like I said, Solange was a part, was a part of that. I mean, just, it was all happening at once. I I, uh, I play in Maroon 5 and we did, we were doing jazz fest and, um, I i had done jazz best as a solo and artist. Just to put a
0: pin in this, real quick, how'd you end up playing for Maroon Five? How that how that journey happened? I've been in
1: Maroon 5 10 years in July, but I was um I was already a solo artist. I was on the road, and um the uh, the keyboard player in the band, I think, unbeknownst to me, wanted to take a break, wanted to leave, and they were looking for a keyboard player to play and sing. And uh, my friend Adam Blackstone, uh, well, actually. Quest Love, oh the call. Adam. Adam! Everybody, Everybody know Adam. Yeah, Everybody exactly. know Blackstone. <laughs> yep, yep. So Amir Quest Love got the call to come in. They wanted him to help uh, be a music director and shape the show uh, of that tour. And that ten years ago is right when they got Fallon, right? And um, so Quest Damn. sent Blackstone, it's really and years? Blackstone was like, "Oh, I only know one dude that can play and sing equally, you know." And so he sent me and um initially i just had it and then they were like well we don't know him so let's do an audition i had never done an audition in my life i'm like okay and they had neither maroon has been a band since like eighth grade or something like that so oh, like, they had never, never done an do audition. so it was awkward for both of us and i just played sunday morning and um they had some auditions the rest of the day, and they canceled the second day of auditions. And it, the rest is history, basically. Yeah, I did what I had to do. You know, had to <laughs> do. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's how I got in Maroon. But then we got Jazz Fest. And first it was the first time. Now I had been to Europe. Now I had been all over the world. And back to New Orleans. But I wasn't with my family because we were moving and shaking. We had to do all this stuff. And I started to see... The city so differently, like everywhere we went, I wasn't with my people. Cause when I'm home, you go where you go. You kind of stay in your place right, you know. So I wasn't in my spots and I'm like, oh. And then they were tripping, like, man, this is so crazy. Like I love this city. And I'm like, yeah, me too. Like, what <laughs> like, you know, so it was that. And then I was LA was starting to wear me out just a little bit in the sense of, um, now I'm in this big band, right? But then these ARs are telling me what I should be doing and oh, it's too soulful or it's too this and it's too that. And I'm like, yo. These are the ARs for your own project. For my own stuff. Yeah. Because it's a lot. It's a lot of story. But I was signed to Young Money right after I I joined Maroon 5. So I was signed to Lil Wayne and I put out an album called New Orleans. And um, I just felt like creatively it was just so different that they didn't totally get me. You know, Mac Main did. We went to high school together. That oh, Mac. We went to St. Olaf together. So we were connected. That was my boy. He got it. It was his vision that really signed me there. But the building just didn't totally get it. So I, I... If we keep it a buck, do they ever... Do they ever get it? Yes. This is I've never
0: heard of the building
1: ever really getting it. This is, this is the brilliance of Cash Money, Young Money, right? They sign things... That are great and self-contained already. When you think about Nikki, she had these personalities and blah, blah, blah. Drake, self-contained, had 40 already, had records already. Wayne was this already this superstar. You know what I'm saying? And they leave it alone. They leave you alone. Like they let you um, do what you do. They didn't ask Drake to, all right, now you sign us, let's go get Timbaland and let's go get. They were like, no, stay with 40. Keep doing yep. them records you wanna do. We don't have and that was the that's their brilliance, you know, is not is hands off. But me coming in as a R and B singer, I didn't put out, you know, our process wasn't mixtapes. My process wasn't getting on mixed shows. Like it was a whole different culture. You know, for rappers, the culture made sense. They knew how to roll that stuff out. Okay. And but for me it was just like, I wanna go on tour. I need a tour. Can you give me a tour bus? You know and they were like, what? No, we don't, we don't do that. We're, you know, it was just way different as a culture. Right. And that's what didn't, That you know, I think that is their brilliance and that's why they went on those runs is they let the artists leave. You know, even with me, when I handed in my album, they didn't check anything. They're just like, all right, this is what you want to do? Cool, let's do it, you know. Um, but I was leaving, right? And this is when I, you know, in LA and I left and I'm just like, feeling like, man, this isn't, you know, this isn't for me. And then this New Orleans thing is in the back of my head. My lease is about to be up on my place in LA. And I'm like, man, I can't build something in LA. Like, you know, these things that I want to do are already built. And I was like, New Orleans, I could go be a leader. I wanted to start a sneaker store because I was so worn out on music that I was like, I'm gonna go do a sneaker store. And I'm going to just be home, you know. But when I got there, because I've always been the young buck. I was always the youngest. I started so early, 14. I was playing the House of Blues, Sunday Brunch, and all this stuff. So I was always younger than all the musicians. But then I got home. I'm like, all right, I'm kind of like the leader a little bit. You know, I'm I'm the older one now a little bit. And people started to look to me to do stuff. And I saw that the um, industry... The business of music in New Orleans was kind of, it hadn't changed much from when I had to leave, you know. And I was like, now I, I want to be, I want to create an environment because we have the talent. We have the sauce. It's just nobody who really gets it. And we're so hands off, too. When somebody comes into business, it's like, you know, we're questioning. We questioning we're it. We're that way. We're rebellious. So don't come in too much with it. Like, understand our culture, then we'll let you in, you know. So.
0: Because you think it feels like they're going to leech?
1: Yeah, I mean, historically, I think it's like, you know, there there's this guy, uh, Cosimo Matassa, who recorded the first Little Richard record. You know, Ray Charles came down here to record um, all these guys. But they would come here, get the sauce and then go back to Chicago, go back to L.A., go back to New York. You know what I'm saying? Um, Fats Domino stayed here, but all all the business of music was elsewhere. He was yeah. signed to different New York companies, so I think in just the history of New Orleans, people have come in, gotten it, and, and, and taken it out. You know, even the movie industry did that. That's why the, that's why those those tax credits really started to work in Atlanta because they figured out how to do it because they were coming to New Orleans, getting the sauce, and then boom, out of there. You know, and so we didn't experience the the like the what what we got from doing the art. So yeah. I think. Um, That's part of it. You got protective. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. For better or worse. You
0: said that when you came back, like what what do you feel like was the like, oh, this is why I need to be here?
1: Um a combination of things, but I think it was me seeing so growing up here, like I said, people were. Really closed off. Everybody dressed alike. Everybody, you know, like... Tell I me the New remember. Orleans uniform when you were growing up. I did wear a New Orleans uniform. So elementary school was khaki. And then St. Aug was gray pants, white shirt, gray tie. Okay. Uh, and, but we were fly though. We, we put our tie in our back pocket after school. You know, all the girls were. It was special. St. Aug was special. Ask about us. You know what I'm
0: saying? I mean, when, when I was in high school and Cash Money came out, the New Orleans uniform was jabot.
1: Oh, right. Jib- oh, reading. no, that's outside of school. Yeah, for right. sure. Jabot, white T-shirt, or Jabot, before that was Jabot polo uh, polo shirt. Like, But that's what I mean. So we had a, because we all wore uniforms, <laughs> speaking of Tim's, <Thames>, right? <laughs> uh, we had a day where we could wear whatever we want. Everybody came looking exactly the same. I mean, like, exactly the same. <laughs> and me, because I was just so, I lived in another world, I came with some Tim's. And, and, uh, uh, and I think I had like some overalls or something and they low key clown me. I mean, I was funny, so it wasn't like clown me in that way. We were going back and forth, but like, they just couldn't understand that somebody was like different. So that's the culture that I kind of grew up in. So it was the same with the music, right? It's like, I was just too different. I just was on something else. Um, You
0: you think it's still like that?
1: No, that is that's that was that was the light that went off. I got back here, so for for all the bad that Katrina did, um, I think the culture, um, it like it, it it forced people to just see other things and other ways. You know, there were there were people who never left their neighborhood and just had to see other ways of life, and mm-hmm. I think it opened up the city in a way. Um, and when I came back, so the the um, the younger kids who were making music when I came back here. I was like, who is that I heard? Ombre? I was like, what is, this? like, what? And then I saw Tank, you know, taking the bangers. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what is going on? Like, like, it was this new wave, and it was not closed-minded at all. You know, like, not at all. So I was like, oh, like, now that we're open with this culture, like, it can be unstoppable, the music, you know? Um, so I think that's, that got me excited again about about the music and like wanting to like um like put into new artists around here and and create a writing culture too because you know i wanted to write when i was growing up i wanted to write songs that were on the radio but there wouldn't there wouldn't there was nobody besides terrence blanchard like scoring spike movies um there wasn't really anybody in the city that I could look to like oh he writes songs like that that are popular yeah. um you know and i wasn't a rapper that was the other thing cuz you had a way if you were a rapper you kind of had a couple of outlets at least with 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 no limit and cash money you know yep yeah
0: tell me about bounce music because i really feel like people don't even realize that how much bounce music we hear you yeah. know how how it's really infiltrated into like hip hop on, on a global scale versus as just like oh like I feel like bounce has done what go go was was kind of
1: trying to do trying a to do yeah. mm-hmm. um and you know go I mean yeah go go got out there a little bit I think bounce now even more um just that beat so bounce music basically and it's so so dope because we have like first generation bounce artists here like Mia X. I go, I talk to her when I want to know about like the beginning, you know, like so she, Mia is a she's like an encyclopedia of New Orleans. She there, she was there. I mean, she watched it. Manny, many Fresh, too. They watched this thing, something be created out of nothing. That is so dope to me that we have a, a genre that exists that and I can talk to the the people who created it, you know. The so
0: when we did Smart Funny and Black in New Orleans, we did two yeah. shows and we had Mia on one. And we had uh, Manny on the other, both as the dean of dopeness. And nice. they basically like presided over the oh, goings on. And Tank actually competed in one of, the, one of the shows. She was up against Spitta. But oh, like, nice. I could not believe, like, Mia just would know everything. Like,
1: no, 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 she, she, is, she is a New Orleans encyclopedia, like, period. She takes yeah. the trolley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the real, she's the real deal. She's the real deal. No, I'm
0: sorry, I got, I got um, excited because I, I was like, I heard that talk.
1: Yeah, but bounce music basically, it was it was um, what well, they call it, trigger man. I can't remember the original record, but they played this record. It was a New York record, and they and this break, one break in it was the bounce, the brown beat, basically the trigger man bounce beat. Yeah, boom, 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 boom. Well, and, and New Orleans just fell in love with it. They would play it for hours. Just this one break, right? And then MC started to rap over this one break. But, but the beat didn't change. It was no new... Like, if you come... That's the thing about Bounce. Because um, even with, like, Nice For What, you know, like what Drake is doing with Bounce now, it's, 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 a, it's an iteration, you know? It's, it's like... Because in New Orleans, that beat is supposed to stay that beat. Like, if those sounds change, if they sound newer, if they sound, like, um, current... It's not, that is not that beat. It's like,
0: if there's a reverb on that, hoe, it's not.
1: Yeah, you change it up. It's like, oh, okay, that's not, you can tell immediately too. Like, and I love new Orleans because when you play that beat, it doesn't matter. Whoever, wherever you are, young, old people react to it. It's just something that has been like bred in us. It's just something that's like been instilled in us. And so it never changes. So, Bounce music doesn't necessarily age. You know, lyrics age, you know, old songs, but like that beat is the same. So you still get that same reaction um from that from that one beat, you know. Um and it's sped up, it's slowed down, they'll do that. Um okay. and you, could, you can get away with that. Like a fast one, you know. Um uh, but I was gonna
0: say Big Frida, like I feel yeah, like
1: Big Frida. Yeah, Big Frida's on the on the, on the fast end of, of bounce. Yeah, but then you got the the mid and then the slower they put i mean every every b song in the world has been put to a bounce beat you know um because that is our go go in that way how they take whatever's current and they and they put it on top of the bounce beat but it's special man i still love it some people like i was so tired of mardi gras and all growing up some people are like man enough bounce you know but me it doesn't matter like i i react to it like no matter what it's special to me i did a um my Christmas album a couple of years ago. I did this Christmas to a bounce beat, and, and uh, I love. I'm it. hearing it right now. Hey, <laughs> yeah. i on the mistletoe. I'm gonna get to know you better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This Christmas, and then I got Hot sizzle on there. <laughs> All right, so. Yeah, nah, nah, nah. I love it, man. It's and it's ours. So it's like not many people can say that. Like this, it's ours. You know. That
0: to me is what's so unique about New Orleans and why I wanted to talk to you specifically about New Orleans for this episode because like there's other there's a few other cities that I would dedicate an entire episode to in terms of just like their uniqueness but
1: yeah
0: New Orleans look, there's a, there's like particularly like black cities in this nation right like yeah. Detroit uh-huh. like Brooklyn like um Oakland you know like these are like Atlanta these are like inherently black cities but New Orleans is and then it's it's a black city, but then it's also like this other yeah. kind of, it's like, I feel like when I'm driving from the airport into New Orleans, like I, I change, like I see the terrain change.
1: It's true. Yeah. It's, it, I it, enter it, into it, a different space. Yeah, it's real. That, I mean, that, that is, like I said, it took me a long time to get that maybe because I was just in it, but yeah. like. One hundred, like one hundred percent. I don't think there's any t- city like it, in, in the world.
0: What would you like to see preserved in New Orleans, and what would you like to see change?
1: Um, yeah, that, that's such, a, such an interesting question because um, when you talk about gentrification, like there to me. It's not all bad, right? It's not supposed to be all bad. Mm-hmm. But what, what, what happens is they kick out the culture. It's like, yeah, make it better, but somehow take care of these people that have been here 30 and 40 years. Like, you don't have to do both. I just feel like there's a way, I, you know, I, I don't know exactly how rent control works in New York, but I know that there, there's a way that they preserve some people that have been there for a long time. Absolutely. And I think that they can do both. It's like when Katrina happened, People, my mom owned my grandmother's house at that point, and they were just blowing her up, like trying to offer her cash. And she was less vulnerable, right? Because, you know, she had things. But, like, you offer $50,000 to somebody who just lost everything, they don't, they, they may value <laughs> that more in the moment, right? But I think there's a way to make things better. I'm revitalizing Buddy Bolden's house, who Buddy Bolden is credited as um, the, the the seed that planted jazz, basically. somebody. You know, he's the first person that um, King Oliver, Louis Armstrong said he heard jazz first from King Oliver. King Oliver heard said he heard it first from Buddy Bolton. So Buddy Bolton's like the the ground floor of jazz. And I'm revitalizing this house in up to in Central City, you know. But I want to preserve like the area, and I want them to know how important um, it was the hood when I grew up. But it's slowly changing, you know, and I don't want. I think the people, it's important for the people to understand the value and let it grow and let it get better, but protect them to allow the culture to stay there. Yeah. So, I, you know, I want it to keep growing. I want it to. Um, what do you, you consider know, to be growth? Just like better um, things like. I just mean um, in the sense of people deserving uh, better, like better places to live. You know, it doesn't necessarily, just because it's the hood, doesn't necessarily mean has to be broken you know like run down and everything it's like yeah this is where I live but it you know so so that to me is better like put money into these neighborhoods but protect the people um, so um, that's that's one thing um, I, I definitely want our music culture um, you know like I said I'm not a traditional New Orleans musician but I respect that music so much and I never want that to give water down. I want to I want those people playing their horns in the street and I want um, you know these second line bands, you know, walking down the street playing playing their instruments. I don't want that to change at all. And what I love is it's passed down the generation. So I got friends in second line bands right now that you know are 20, you know, playing snares and right. like, yeah, they, they don't, that's what I mean. They don't necessarily even, they know what's going on in current music, but they'll pick up their drum and still play down the street. Um, so I think, I think people um, don't
0: realize that the second line, like when you hear like, like that's the second line. Like, yeah. I feel like we've heard that in a lot of different places, whether it's For like sure. a Popeye commercial or, yeah. exactly. <laughs> or whatever, yeah. but like, that's like a, that's the second line,
1: right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, one thing I'd like to see, which I'm a part, I'm on this board of, of, of uh, an initiative called known New Orleans music economy, uh, which is, you know, cause I feel like uh, music and musicians are our greatest natural resource in New Orleans, like not food. They, they throw money at the food industry here. They throw, they throw money um, at different things here, you know, but not the music because we have such, an overflow of it, right? Like you okay. can find a musician anywhere, you can find a brass band anywhere, which brings their value down sometimes in the city. People value it outside of here, but not uh, not here. So we're trying to create some things where the musicians are valued more. Uh, like I said, it's a badge of honor. They value like, oh, you can play, blah, 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 and give you respect. But I want it financially to also match that respect and match the food industry of putting money into things, so. Uh, that's something I want to see change as well and grow. Yeah.
0: So we preserve the music and the musicians by changing how we treat the music and the musicians. For sure, for sure. Preserve preserve and yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So before we go,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you are a New Orleans connoisseur of music, as I mean, you are a musician as well, but what are some musicians, some artists, some albums that you feel like folks need to check out or listen to that will give them like a little touch, a a taste, Mm -hmm. a connection to New Orleans?
1: Hmm. Well, I think, I mean, all, all the old Louis Armstrong stuff, I think really, uh, really, really brings you to the beginning of it, you know, in an authentic way. Um, I mean, of
0: course, he he went to
1: Chicago and he went to New York, but he definitely took New Orleans, New Orleans with him, um, on all that stuff. I think, um, You know, I don't think Fats Fats Domino gets enough credit. He was popping on the the radio before Elvis, right? Elvis was trying to catch him at one point. I think early Fats stuff, uh, but also like Alan Toussaint, um, who for me is the blueprint. He was the only guy who had, um, in the modern era, had like a a studio here and was producing for people outside of here. Uh, But Alan Toussaint, he kept that New Orleans shuffle and mixed it with R&B music, you know, and and, and made it a thing. Dr. John is the same way. Um, And uh, there's this guy, um, it's a good documentary on him too, but there's this guy, James Booker, um, who was like a classically trained musician, but uh, just a crazy life. Like he was a cross dresser uh, and he was was brilliant. And his records, uh, I would say check out some James Booker records. He's a piano player. Um, Harry Connick credits him like that's who he learned from, you know all, all, but but he's um not known as much, but he's, he's, the, he's the real deal and somebody I kind of look up to he was just rebelling you know all over the. Right. Place. yeah So all old stuff, no new stuff no Oh, oh
0: new oh
1: yeah I' yeah well, well, like. shout out to, yeah, shout out to my tank and the bangers people. There's a new okay. wave, so I call this New New Orleans right because it's like there's this new wave. Um, there's this guy I'm working with, Dominic Scott. (laughs) Dominic.
0: There's this guy I'm working with.
1: I don't know. But but, but Dominic is known as a, as a. See, you uh, didn't know. So, and then you're like. Dominic is known as, yeah, for his filming and all of that stuff. His music is amazing. Like he's got yes. some amazing stuff.
0: Yeah. I found um, so for those who are watching, Dominic Scott has been our videographer for for Smart Funny and Black. I actually borrowed him from PJ. Yes, yeah. We shared. we shared Dom. We shared and We shared Dom. <laughs> yeah. But then Dom would just like send me like, yeah, this is something I'm, I'm working on. And yeah. I remember I was talking to a dude who called himself a producer. And he like sent me a beat. I'm saying quotes because
1: I see your quotes. Yeah.
0: And, and I was like, Oh, um, like literally my response was like, you know, I feel like your artistry is more in identifying other artists. Um, (laughs) and then that same, like within 10 minutes later, like Dom sent me a Dom song and I'm like, when did you do this? He's like, I just did it just now. And I'm like, you see, this, this is... he got it. He's got it. So I can't wait for folks to hear Dom because he's he's that dude.
1: Yeah. So Ombre is an artist that I love, a New Orleans artist. Uh, of course, my boy D1 um, represents... It was
0: his birthday yesterday. D1's Happy New birthday, D1. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, tanking the bangers for sure. Um... Who else right now? I mean, so Shorty. I'm just saying like a range. Like yeah. I know for me, i shorty gives you, gives you now, you know, gives you old and new at the same time. Um, I think he keeps the culture alive. I, I credit him. Like he was one of the guys that didn't leave. Like, I just felt like I had to shorty stayed. And I think he should be like celebrated for that. Like, you know what I mean? He, he went through the changes and stayed himself, um, and stayed in new Orleans and stayed down. Um, um, so I think Is that's a good any one.
0: quintessential cash money records l- record that you feel...
1: Oh, man. See, I was, I was such a Wayne. Well, no, Juvie, I think that, if you want to know New Orleans, um, yeah, uh, 400 degrees. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Because I didn't know if maybe I was Central. being too basic. Yeah, no, no, no. It's essential. That's still the, that's still, that's still the real, and he was the, pro- he was the prophet of New Orleans. You know what I mean? Like, he, he was the one that that told the story in a way. Finally, that got out to the world. We were like, "All right, it's it's popular, but it's like authentic." Yeah. Um, so that's that's definitely that's definitely one for sure.
0: Yeah. All right, cash money is Norman Betty <laughs> There
1: you go.
0: Well, I just really appreciate you know the work you do, and outside of the music, just hearing about the stuff that you're involved in with preserving New Orleans, and you know, preserving not just the the music, but also like the fact that you are restoring um buddy's house and yeah. that that you've made it your business to come back and really be ingrained in not only just you know your own comfort of the city, but making sure that the city ends up, you know, continuing to be comfortable for its residents and for those who are coming. Because New Orleans really is like it's just a unique enclave of of black culture and of the black experience and so much of this nation is about like whitewashing and clearing out and really just homogenizing and so it's people like you and the work you're doing that you know really fights against that and bumps up against that and challenges that so we appreciate you.
1: you i appreciate that man I appreciate it. I, I love the city and I, I love the people. The people make the city really like the, the city would not be, I've seen it without the people and it's totally different. So I think it's really about preserving the people and, and showing them their value So they know like, yeah, I know you're different but like, this is special. Keep this. You know? yeah.
0: So in the means and in between times as people cannot go to a PJ Morton show, are you doing other live streams? Like, is there any, I don't know. I, I've, nothing
1: um, to. Me I don't want to put no, no pressure. No, for real. No, I did. I did. Uh, I did my birthday show. And then I did a um, happy belated, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. And then I did a um, a billboard. Uh, we raised some money for Music Cares. And I think I'm a chi- I think I'm a chill for a little bit. I'm just going to, like, create some music um, and really like, you know, I think as musicians, as creators, we're, 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 we, we um, reflect the times, you know, and I just want to see what's happening and like be still a little bit. Just to just to just to feel it. I mean, I've been jo- enjoying some of the live streams. I've been sh- enjoying some of the battles. I'm just an onlooker right now. I'm not yeah. really out there too much, so I'm chilling. I'm chilling, creating. Did you watch Primo versus RZA? I missed that one. I missed that one. I heard it was it was pretty incredible. I heard Primo like his his uh, lineup was was nuts. Uh,
0: I feel like Primo was not thinking. I'm like, what? how you, how you don't play represent like out the gate. Like okay. how is that in like triple overtime I you like, oh, like,
1: mixed messages about it. I gotta, if it's, if it's saved, I gotta go watch. It you
0: gotta. It, yeah. yeah. I think Swiss has it on his site versus or something like that. So make sure you check that out. Um, and the other thing I was going to say was, Oh, as you were talking about thinking about the music of the times, um, check out, uh, the soundtrack to the documentary, Amandla a revolution in four part harmony. And okay. I say that because uh the soundtrack to that documentary, well the documentary is about how uh, music was such an integral part of the fight against apartheid in South Africa. Okay. And just the different ways that that manifested like amongst like the ways that people would march, uh the the musicians that were making like protest music uh, on multiple levels, right? So like as as high up as Yume Sekelara's in peace um to just like you know kids like coming up with songs to chant right but it it just really intricately speaks to how um, Globally, we see that black music really comes from the black experience. Like the two are so interconnected. Like black mu- black people making pop music is just us showing off. Like that's just some whole. Uh, that's just like we an can do that little, too.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Like
0: we can do this too. But yeah. like intrinsically, I feel like so much of our great work comes out of li- literally like converting our experience into this musical existence. And so totally. something with something when you said that, I thought like oh. So Amandla, it's like my name with the L. Amandla, o e t. Okay, yeah. all right. got
1: it, got it. Yeah.
0: Go check it out. It's so great to finally meet you, PG. I can't wait yeah. to well, to talk to you. We've met before. Yeah, we,
1: yeah, we met. Yeah, a real we met conversation like on like. a street corner, like, yeah, 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 exactly. Not that kind of street corner, but like, <laughs> no, yeah, we met outside the uh, Roots Jam. The Roots right? Jam, yes, on like the street like, corner.
0: On the street corner outside the Roots Jam,
1: I believe you know Eric Petty. From Universal. I do. That's my guy. Right. That's why. Right. Yeah. Because I was, when I was signing Young Money, that that was my digital guy.
0: Yes. And Eric always talks about how um, Baby writes all his emails in all caps with no punctuation. So.
1: Hilarious. Hilarious. (laughs) Eric, that's my love. Eric, man.
0: How do I do this? (laughs)
1: Is it screaming or is, it screaming? <laughs>
0: like, is this sentence done? Um, but yeah, no. So keep creating, Word. keep doing what you're doing down in New Orleans. Thank you so much for sharing your city with us. And um, yeah, when this is done, I'm coming to a PJ Morton show.
1: Let's go, please. Yeah. Yeah. I need you to feel that. Thank but I will still be there.
0: in VIP because I'll probably still be scared of the Corona.
1: <laughs>
0: but I'll uh, buy a ticket. I always buy a ticket.
1: I got you. Don't, don't worry about that. I'll, We'll work it out. I think, that, I, think, <laughs> I, think I got it. an extra. <laughs> uh, but no, man, I appreciate you having me. Uh, thank you for having a platform to uh, to talk about real things, cool things, keeping things interesting. It's necessary. I appreciate you, man. Thank you, sir. Till next yeah. time. All right. Peace. A podcast. a podcast network.